0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In three, two,
1: one. to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center! Perry! Scoot! Corey Perry! Well, able to take away from Salon. It's away to
0: Welcome back, Ducks fans. This is Patrick and Eddie hosting the show tonight as the Ducks fall to the Kings 3-2. to And what Randy Carlisle... I'm, oh, I'm sorry, this wasn't a Randy Carlisle game, Eddie? Because it certainly felt like one. It, <laughs> it was, certainly yeah. felt like a Randy Carlisle game. Holy hell, this was a brutal game to watch. It's what's been dubbed the Jackoff.
1: Oh, that's that's what you such have a to dumb name, too. Oh my god. what, your, what Oh, come on, don't... Don't be. Don't act like you're above them. Don't act like they're childish for calling it the jack-off. That's hilarious.
0: It's still dumb. It's still dumb. I can still think it's funny. It's still dumb. I okay. mean, like really, because either one of these teams is going to get Jack Hughes. Let's just be real about that one. But yeah, is, it's true. It is. That's what it's been dubbed. That's what everyone's calling it. I understand. But uh, the Ducks fall three to one or three to two in this game. Um, you know. It's kind of cool when you're watching a game on TV and uh, the broadcast decides not to show a, a shot clock. Instead, they show a shift clock.
1: So, I know, how long,
0: so I know how long uh, Drew Doughty and Ryan Getzloff have been on the ice. Because, my God, showing the shot clock would have been brutal. As the Ducks had three shots through 11 minutes into the second period. Total. Yeah, total. Yeah,
1: that's what, I mean, we had so much hope in the Montreal <sighs> game. I don't want to, actually, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We didn't have hope in the Montreal game and excitement in the Montreal game. (laughs) Something we had to in a while. We blew them out. Got some goals. The last few games, even with the ones where the Ducks lost in the final seconds, they've been fun games throughout the game. They've been fun to watch. Mm -hmm. This is what we saw earlier in the year. This is boring. The entire game was boring. The first period was, you know, decently exciting. Obviously more so for the Kings because they scored three goals. Um, And then the rest of the game was just a nightmare. There was one goal scored for the rest of the game, and it was Jakob very late in the third period. Um,
0: Hold on yeah. for all the haters. No iced tea tonight, especially you, Daisy. No iced tea tonight. Drinking uh, modern times tonight. <laughs> Just had to cut that in there. I got a lot of flack for not drinking in the post game, so had to do that that's tonight. What
1: pucks and bruises for right. That's, if you are not on the Patreon, that's what pucks and bruises for.
0: Right? <laughs> it, this game, um, I guess, could be surmised that. Uh, Corbinian Holzer is not very good. Um, he and both Megna were out there for quite a lot of chances and shots against, and they got brutalized in that first period. And that—that's kind of all she wrote. It was in that first period because the second period, eh, not a whole lot going on for either team. Then the third period, the Ducks try to come back with a late, you know, late game push. Is you know, score facts. Kings looking to defend. Ducks looking to crash the net
1: push is a very uh Ooh, suspect yeah. There. yeah yeah 20, 20 shots on goal in the game uh, oh yeah. i didn't even know what the final shot count was because i had no reference as i was 25 watching the game. to 20 so... for the la kings <laughs> yeah because i'd love to see that drew doughty has been on the ice for 30 seconds that's what i want to see
0: I-, I was texting with my analytic or uh i was texting my buddy about analytics and i was like dude i love him but like I, I don't care till after the game how long the shifts were, or time on ice was, or individual Corsi or individuals, you know, scoring chances, all that. It's like just wait till the end. Let me watch the game and make my own judgments, and then go back and look at the stats and compare. It's brutal to not have a shot clock, but in this case, I was happy because my mind would have exploded.
1: Yeah. Well, like they didn't have a shot for like the first seven minutes, which is about I think 10 games ago you know and then before that is where we started seeing that a lot where the Ducks just couldn't get any shots on goal and of course we mentioned it in the last podcast that oh the Ducks aren't that team anymore they're they're the team they're actually doing it to other teams they're they're getting a ton of shots on goal early on and they're limiting the amount of shots against and then they go and they play the worst team in the Western Conference and uh, they just completely revert back to what they were doing before where I, for some reason the kings just stifled them completely suffocated them i mean it's not like the kings were blowing out the shots right it was three nothing i think about seven minutes into the game so it wasn't too much the ducks do end up scoring on their first shot on goal but yeah i mean this was the type of game in the end you expected between two of the lowest goal scoring teams in the league maybe not the final score but the fact the shots were 25 to 20 like that's that's kind of what you expect right
0: yeah it's kind of what you expect for sure but Let's get into this game, and be, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to uh, Gordon Bombay's wife, Stacy, as uh, she needs a shout out. Apparently, they're on the ride home and are listening to this to the show, and uh, Gordon's to give her a shout out. So hopefully, that embarrassed her. Um, Ducks coming off a gigantic win last night, Eddie, with an eight to do victory over the Habs, or two nights ago rather on Friday, falling to the Kings. Kessler hits his his one thousandth game uh, prior to that, and he's basically not available it almost feels like that was to get him to that game right he played on wednesday didn't play friday didn't play today maybe that was the push to get him to a thousand games and rest him as he was a scratch tonight also with uh brendan goulet unfortunately i have no update
1: i got asked about him there's nothing he just he's not skating that's all so it's not good you know what is that four games now that he's missed and uh, he has ice yeah. whatsoever
0: which is horrible because he is a driver of offense for this team and he's not available which is brutal brutal to to find out that he's not in in this um, in this lineup night after night and I wonder if it's a head injury which we hope to God is not the case but um I think the rumor was he blocked a shot maybe that hits a hand I mean even though your hands are below your waist is still considered an upper body injury so yeah, it's weird to not
1: hear any update on it though that's the thing like there's been nothing at all and they're been kind of secretive about it which is never a good thing but sometimes the ducks just do this where they just fail to say anything about a player i mean kevin why was kind of like that all year we we kind of knew what was going on with him but there was no updates about him and then he, all of a sudden he's back like just out of nowhere and I, I hope we hear something soon. There has been a flurry of games where the Ducks really haven't had two days of rest in a while. It's been a couple back-to-backs here and there and then a, a game every other day. So once they finally get some rest, they're not going to get it now because they play uh, against Nashville on Tuesday. Well, I but, can't wait for that game. Yeah, like that. it's not going to get any better. But <laughs> hopefully when they actually get a couple days off, we get some some news about some of these guys. You know, we know what's going on with Kessler, obviously, because they announced that. But hopefully, we hear something on Gugli, and we can hear what's going on with him. Were you surprised that Ryan Miller got the start tonight over Johnny Gibson? Because I kind of a little was. bit. I kind of a was. little bit. Yeah. I mean, he Gibson's been playing well, and it's not. You know, Miller just seemed like he was going to get the back-to-back starts. And I'd have to look into this, but every time Miller has gotten a start that hasn't been back-to-back. Gibson has either a had bad numbers against this team or Miller's had really good numbers against this team. The ducks are, are still one of those teams who seem to still want to do that. Where if a, a goalie has good career numbers, no matter how long it expands or bad career numbers, they'll go with the guy who has better numbers. I would have to think, and again, I haven't looked into this, that that's the reason Miller started tonight because there's no reason John Gibson shouldn't have been able to go. He looked completely fine in the Montreal game. And uh, he's looked good pretty much since coming back. I think he's only really had one game where you're like, I I think that was the St. Louis game where you're like, maybe that wasn't his best night. But other than that, I've liked what he's done and I was a bit surprised to see Miller, but I I definitely think it's some kind of numbers game that the ducks are running with that one.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe, Um, but I mean, really Miller didn't have a bad game tonight. He was kind of left hung out to dry on these goals so we can, we can hop into those. But before we get there, Eddie, got a couple of shout-outs to go off here. Um, we have a watch party going on March 23rd on the rematch of this game. Ducks-Kings. It's a game in L.A., so we're going to be doing a watch party off Imperial La Palma at Craftsman Pizza. Eddie, you'll be here in town t- uh, on that night for the, our last watch party of the season. So if you guys want to show up to that, we got uh, great food to drink on tap and plenty of raffle prizes to give away as our final party of the year. And then a shout-out is definitely in order to several people. Uh, first off, Alex Ramirez for donating the tickets to Jason tonight. Jason got to take his dad to the game, to the Ducks-Kings game. So shout-out to Alex for donating those tickets to us and then, and uh, letting Jason take his pops out for a game night. And then to Tom and to Jimmy and our Patreon for letting Jason and I tag along to the Bob Murray Breckth. Breakfast, by the way, Jesus Christ! Yeah. It felt like a snack. Well, did you
1: guys not? Did you? Yeah, I, I kind of respect. Oh my you God. guys not getting a nice, nice big breakfast? Oh
0: pff, no! <laughs> oh, it was brutal. We're gonna talk about it tomorrow on our Patreon show, just because I saw it's Jimmy a say, uh, I saw
1: Jimmy say that
0: uh, he went out for breakfast after. So uh, I, I, a, I went I home and I figured, made. It, right? I went home and made like jalapenos, peppers, and eggs, and had uh, some ham and like fried up some ham and stuff too, because the the breakfast was like a breakfast here you go, It's it, yeah. it, it was, yeah, even the smallest person alive would have been left starving. Um, but no, we appreciated that. It was interesting, and uh, I got about 40 minutes of recording to go through the record of the whole thing on my phone, so I'm going through that, and we're going to put that up on the Patreon for everyone to listen to as to what happened to the Bob Murray interview. But uh, let's get to this game. Jones-Getzloff sprung, sprung in the lineup now again, which is a good thing. Raquel-Henrik-and-Terry, Richie-Shore-Silverberg, silverberg grant and Rowney and Perry were uh, on the lineup tonight. I also saw Max Jones. I don't see him in your lineup. Did you miss him? Uh, I'm
1: co- <laughs> Full disclosure, I copied that lineup from like three games <laughs> ago. So it's not, it's not fully up to date. But he was in there tonight. He definitely uh, played tonight. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I know. It was just, well, who did I have in there? Now I need to check. Because, oh, um,
0: I pointed out a flaw in Eddie's scheme, everybody. I please everyone chirp him for not being prepared tonight.
1: Oh, he's on the top line with Getzlav. Are you blind?
0: (laughs) You're right. He is on the top line with Getzlav. I made you look. (laughs) That's a good laugh. Let's get into the first period. It was all Kings, and it was all Kings for a long time. Let's get to the first goal then. Goes to Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown with a seeing eye shot from the point. Finds its way all the way through whatever traffic was in front of Miller and ends up going five hole. That was a weird one because that was kind of like a beer league shot. It was like, I think Miller wasn't expecting it to come down. And I think that shot kind of floated up and it floated back down and ended up 5 full Eddie. I don't think there's much. It's just one of those. It just went in. It was
1: just one of those ones that just, just went in. It's the way it goes. I mean, it, it's tough. And and Miller, again, we talked about how he's a surprise starter tonight. And, uh, you know, these are the ones that it, it goes through a couple people, like you said. And there's sometimes you just take your eyes off the puck. And <laughs> this one looked like one of those moments because it went through a couple legs. But this thing was always about an inch off the ground. It didn't take a deflection. It didn't, you know, change height. It was just a about an inch off the ground, and it just floats its way through five hole. And I think for a second he loses it in the feet, loses uh, like sight of the puck, and it goes right through his five hole. He wasn't set for that either, which I don't know if he was expecting Brown to take that shot. Uh, but that's a tough one, and I always hate saying, you know, that, that the goalie's gonna want that one back. But Miller will be looking back at the film for this one and be like, how did I not see that one? How was I not set and ready to go for that? It's a typical Dustin Brown type of goal, right? Like, this that's what it feels like. It, these are the types of goals that go in for Dustin Brown.
0: Yeah, you know, that's true. And I guess what I want to point out here in early, and we can talk about it as we get to more of the post-game side, of the, or the post-post-game side of things, as we're already talking post-game, is Jacob Megna and Corbinian Holzer did not have a good game. They were out there for all three goals against so that kind of goes back against what we talked about with kevin bx or you know well, a long long time ago we're talking about clayton stoner anybody on that on that last pair on defense as how like oh they only play limited minutes they don't see you know the top competition they don't really affect the game that much this is one of those games where they really affected the game um maybe not so much on this goal but on the subsequent goals uh, this defensive pairing, man. The broadcast, both radio and TV, have seemed to like them, but I've just seen them give up shot after shot and look bad night after
1: night. What's your take, uh, briefly here on Megna and Holzer? The play. Was, I want to skip ahead to quickly to that goal because this the the second goal for the Kings because this kind of makes sense on what we're talking okay, about okay. here. Okay. Where, by uh, the way, we'll, Getsloff,
0: we'll go- uh strips
1: the puck and feeds Sprung and he scores. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go back to that because I do want to talk about Daniel Sprong a bit again. But you know, when you get walked around or, or you get blown by by Kyle Clifford, that Ooh. is not a, that's not a good look. And I think for for some reason in the back of my head, I remember Kyle Clifford doing this to somebody else in the Ducks. I think it was last year where he made a similar play where he he just flew by a guy and it was probably Kevin Bieksa or Francois Boschman thinking off the top of my head, but yeah, most likely. Yeah, it's never a good look. And then not only that. He just allowed to walk from the board or from the circle into the slot, skates backwards and fires a shot past Ryan Miller. Like nobody, nobody really back checks on this guy. And, and again, it is on Holzer from from missing that assignment completely. And uh, again, this isn't Tyler Toffoli. This isn't Adrian Kempe. This isn't Jeff Carter. This is Kyle Clifford. Like you got to have this one. Like you you two are at about the same skill level. Like you've got to make an effort to at least get the body on the guy. And uh, I mean, I haven't hated magna and Holter. like they haven't been as bad as i expected them to be they've had some solid games where they haven't made a ton of mistakes jacob magna had a, a one goal one assist game which was nice for him but they kind of are, kinda are what, you, what you what you think they're gonna be right like they are a pretty bland bottom pairing assignment and they're gonna make mistakes and you know i hope that Brendan Gooley can come back soon because i think Jakob larson deserves to stick around and then maybe you see something different on that bottom pairing, and, and I think Holzer would be the guy to go down. And then maybe you see Larson at Magnum, which has potential to be significantly better just because Jacob Larson is there instead of Kerbinian Holzer. But, I mean, what you can't expect too much more from them, right? Like, this is a guy who's routinely been a seventh or eighth defenseman in Kerbinian Holzer. He's not going to give you too much on a nightly basis, and he's going to make mistakes like this
0: yeah when uh Jason and i were at the game on wednesday he did try to go for two hip checks and missed both so he he's 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 just doesn't look like he's i don't know at NHL pace i don't know what to say about him he he just doesn't look good
1: he he I hasn't guess? looked good since he's, no uh holzer well, yeah, Holzer's never really been, a, been at an NHL pace. Like, he's never been a guy you're like, oh, yeah, he can stick around in the league. Like, he's he's always been that guy. He's always yeah, but that's been that.
0: brutal, isn't it, when you're missing a 5th, 6th defenseman that you can't even count on for the limited minutes you play? It's it's just a tough spot for the Ducks because they're top four, although they had, they weren't, you know, haven't been all-stars this season, but they had a much better game and have played much better hockey as of recently, especially Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm for the most part. So to see Magna and Holzer out there for three goals, and there was only three goals tonight, that's kind of a tough go for Anaheim. That, that's that's brutal. That's brutal that the Kings are able to victimize your bottom pair for for the entire game. I mean, granted, but, the Ducks can't get offense moving. It sucks to see that your defensive pair out there that's on your bottom rung, basically, you know, be out there to get taken advantage of.
1: Would it not be better at this point? to see Suster or Dachin up on that uh, that bottom pairing? Level. I would That's take Dachin, nice Dachin for in. sure. I would definitely take jo- Dachin out on that bottom pair, wouldn't you? I don't know about Suster, yeah, but yeah. Dachin, you know, yeah. For, uh, I would honestly, at times, rather, rather Suster there because Suster has shown that, at least in the past, that he's capable of being a, a 6 or a 7 more than Corbinian Olds. Are. And, and I think they, they provide a similar impact, maybe a different style of game. But I would definitely take Dodgen. And, and it's interesting that you see all these guys that were brought in. Luke Shen, obviously not part of the team anymore. Delzado not part of the team. Dodgen and, and Suster are both with San Diego. And I, you know, I don't know if either of them are hurt right now, and that's maybe why we haven't seen too much of them. But either way, you, you had four guys at one point that that could have been rotating in and out of that bottom pairing. Two are still here. Two are no longer here. And you still have Andy Walensky down there, who's a significant improvement over uh and Holzer and I know you need a guy like Walensky down there in San Diego and you still need guys in San Diego because they want to be competitive this year, but at this point like any of those guys we listed that are still in the organization are probably better options than Holzer right now. Yeah. And if you send Holzer down, I, I think he I, I think he's at that point where he'll have to clear waivers again. I don't think I, I think he's past the threshold. So even if you set him down, nobody's gonna claim him. Like nobody's looking for a and Holzer at this point in the season. And if they did it's not the end of the world. So I, I don't know what the the thought process is there. I know that, you know, the Ducks aren't competing. So, again, it's not the end of the world. That Holzer is, is your number six right now. It's not like you're making a playoff push. They were, they've were they been pretty much out of it for, you know, since Christmas anyway. Right. But it, it's disappointing to see him still there and making mistakes when you have some guys that I would rather see down in San Diego and at least give another shot. Well,
0: let's talk about the the first goal for the Ducks. Getzloff able to get the puck out from behind the net from Jonathan Quick. Quick does a really piss poor job behind the net of moving the puck out of his zone. Getzloff picks it, able to find Sprong out in front of the net. All of a sudden you got a time game or a tight game. I mean, Sprong really had, you know, just an open net to shoot the puck in, so good play by him, but Getzloff really made that happen for him, along with Quick, of course. Back to back games. Where two
1: <laughs> two goalies who have uh, normally in the past been good puck handlers in price and quick. Making mistakes handling the puck, and the Ducks have had wide open nets against Montreal. It was Troy Terry digging the puck out, getting it to Adam Henrique. And in this case, it was Getzlaf digging the puck out and getting it to Daniel Sprong. And uh, he keeps showing why he should be in the lineup, right? I mean, this is a goal you have to score if you have an open net, but he's still in the position to to put the puck in the back of the net. And you know he he just keeps doing it. Anytime he's in the lineup, he he looks dangerous. You know, I know the, the defensive issues are a worry for the Ducks, and that's why he's been a healthy scratch at times, but. Again, he, he's making a case like a lot of guys to stick around and be a part of this team next year, not get traded in the offseason or or not, you know, have to be buried in the minors at the beginning of next year. You know, he's making a case that he he wants to be a part of this top nine. And and right now I I'd say he's making a pretty good case because he has been one of the better forwards for the ducks since coming over from Pittsburgh. And, you know, obviously, Jakob Silverberg is a guy we talk about in Adam Henrique. And I'm talking purely goal scoring, obviously. You know, the, the Ducks have been lacking that this year. But when you look at Silverberg and Henrique being, you know, Silverberg's been the five on five guy and the all situations guy. Henrique's been the power play guy when it comes to goals. And then Daniel Spong's just getting it done in all situations, similar to what Silverberg's doing. So He's a play driver. He's one of those guys you want to have out you know, on the ice. I, I don't know if he's a play driver. Like, he's, he's not going to drive play for a line. But he, he gets in those positions, and he has a shot that teams have to worry about. And I think they're starting to realize that. Similar to what Silverberg has. You know, shot. I mean, a he bit did get hurt by Carey Price after
0: Price stopped him on a partial breakaway. I didn't see that last night.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we've always <laughs> talked about, about Silverberg's shot being you know, oh, one of the quicker releases Sylvie, in the yeah. league. It's a little bit inconsistent. But Daniel Sprong has a shot similar that you have to worry about. Like, he, when he gets full uh, full control of that shot, full control of the puck, generally can put it wherever he wants. And we've seen that at times. We saw that against Montreal. He was kind of skating and on one foot, like kind of falling a little bit. And then he fires it through a Canadiens player, top corner, far side, on one of the better goalies in the league. So, like, he has that ability. Mm-hmm. You just have to. Well, right. we're not going to get into if Terry right. Price is one of the better goalies in the league, but you know what I mean. Daniel Sprong has a good shot, and if he keeps utilizing the way he is, he's a yep. good chance to stick around. I, I got mean, why you. Why not?
0: I, I, I yeah, I can't agree with you more on that. I hope he doesn't get benched going down the stretch here because there really is no reason to like leave the guy out there. He's a young kid. Um, let, let's see what he can do here, especially because he's playing with with upper echelon players in the Ducks. And so. I really feel like that's an opportunity for him to prove his worth, right? He's got another year on his contract. Why not? Um, yeah.
1: Well, how many games has he been on the top line? Two?
0: Yeah. And he hasn't gotten a lot of looks. I can't imagine. He's, yeah.
1: But, but he's, he's got th- goals in back-to-back games being on the top line. So, he's you know, he's taken it. We talk about guys taking advantage of playing with Ryan Getzlaff. Daniel Sprong has done that for two games, right? Like, he hasn't played with Getzlaff too much this year. I mean, a Corey lot of Perry's made a living out of it.
0: Why not? Why not let yeah. someone else do it?
1: So. And Ricard Raquel for the last yeah. couple seasons yeah. has been that guy, and it, and there's guys in the past who haven't worked. Richie's been on that line and it hasn't worked. So if you're if you're a guy that can work with gets and and they seem like the perfect pairing of guys to put together. See, Getzloff I'm glad you said
0: that because it's not it's it's not a negative, you know, chirp at a player no. for us to say like, oh, glad you work with getsloff Like, oh, it's it's great. You take advantage of Getzlaf being on line. It's like. You could say whatever you want about that top line, but it, it, not everyone can play with uh, with uh, with high-level skill like that at center. You have to have finishers. And Corey Perry is somebody who can generate offense. I'm not putting down Corey Perry, although he had a really suspect game today, which we'll get to in here in a minute. But Daniel Sprong, put him at the top line. Give him all the opportunity in the world. like And Raquel, right? I mean, you want to get these guys as many yeah. opportunities and confidence building up for the offseason.
1: I think the difference, too, is because Silverberg's been on that top line and it hasn't worked. And I think the difference in, in you know, Sprong and Silverberg have a similar shot, and it's a very deadly quick release shot. But the problem is, Silverberg is a two way player. He's not offense only. He'll focus more on the defensive side. He's not always in those perfect positions that Getzlaff is looking for, right? Sprong is. He's generally offense first, and that's why he's been healthy scratched at times this year. But that's almost the best guy to put with Ryan Getzlaff, because eventually, Sprong's going to be in a perfect position for a Getzlaff pass. And he's got the finishing ability to put it away, and you know again we're not criticizing Sprong for being that type of guy that needs Ryan Getzlaff because there's been guys who haven't worked with Ryan Getzlaff. We talked about how Nick Ritchie hasn't worked with Ryan Getzlaff, and there, there's a plenty of guys. Silverberg hasn't worked with Getzlaff. The list goes on. There's there, there's always there's always been question marks on, on one of the the sides of the wing, usually the left wing for Getzlaff over the past. There's been a rotation of guys who've gone up there and it hasn't worked. Yeah, and I mean. It,
0: Sprung- no, and if you want to talk about like upper echelon centers or elite level centers, I mean the second best center in the league next to Austin Matthews is Sidney Crosby, and it, it took the the Penguins a long time to find wingers to play with him. So it's just kind of like You Just gotta you got to
1: throw that in there, right? <laughs> second best center, to Austin Matthews. All right, let's let's <laughs> move on. Let's
0: move on. All right, so we got through the Brown goal, Getzoff goal, Clifford goal. Let's talk about the Grundstrom goal because I okay, just to clarify here. I was in the middle of uh, doing some um, family duty, cooking dinner. I'm going back. Okay, this and watching that the sounded game. like
1: it was going in a different direction. No, there. it was
0: not a different direction. <laughs> so I'm going back and forth to the TV. I finally sit down. I sit down and I see this goal get scored, and then all I see is Magna getting stood up at the blue line. Where the hell was his defensive partner on this play? Where? where I what happened?
1: It. Who yeah, was it? I, I I don't know. I, I rewound I, I have no and idea. tried to
0: find it. I was like. Did the broadcast not show the full play? Because I'm like, where? what happened? Why is I went back and the at only it. defender there? Why is Perry in front of Ryan Miller at this point? I couldn't figure out what the hell happened on this play other than a great passing play by the Kings and Grunstrom finished it off. I mean, I don't know what you want to say beyond that on the offensive side for the Kings, but defensively, what the hell is going
1: on there, Ducks? I went back and looked at it a couple times to see if – you know, where who was out there with Magna And I feel like it was just a line change gone wrong and, and there was some kind of miscue there and Magna was the only guy back. And somehow Grunstrom finds himself in it's a great area pass to get to Grunstrom in the first place and he makes a nice move to get around Miller, but he has all the time in the world to make that move. And this is a guy similar to how we talked about Sprong and Terry and Jones needing to prove themselves. This is a guy who has to prove himself for the Kings right now. Uh-huh. now this is his second game. He's got goals in back to back games since getting called up from the AHL. And and he made them pay. And but yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't fathom or understand who was with Magnet and where they were. I because rewound normally, and watched
0: that like four times. Even my kid was like, "Didn't you see the Kings score already?" I was like, "I'm trying yeah, that's to see. What I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to like, see normally, what happened."
1: <laughs> normally, you can go back and find it this is one of the few times i've gone back and maybe like we're just missing something and all you guys think we're idiots and you found it but or you're
0: at the like, game and you watch the whole play develop you're like moron yeah, you guys didn't we,
1: see it. we need we need jason here because he was at the game but yeah I, I this is one of the first times i've gone back well three four five times looked at it, I couldn't find who was out there with magna and uh i, I have no idea but it allowed Grunstrom to get in and and get the king's third goal and the broadcast at this point was talking about how this is the two lowest goal-scoring teams in the league. Ugh. And it's 3-1 after the, in the first period. And then they jinxed it because the rest of the game was like the two lowest goal-scoring teams in the league.
0: Yes. No, that was brutal. So, Kings making a 3-1 game, go to the second period. No scoring in the second period. But we've got to talk about the one chance that was <laughs> the fans even booed. Ryan Getzloff and Ricard Raquel get a 2-on-1. And, of course, there's a rookie, Wah, is in the middle of the ice def- playing defense for the Kings, able to read the fact that Ryan Getzloff, although he's not even looking at Raquel, knows he's going to pass the puck, is able to intercept that pass and break up the entire play. Whole arena starts booing here, by the way, in a sellout.
1: Yeah, there was a I'm, I'm sellout and tonight. The and then everyone... oh yeah, okay, okay. We're not going to get into sellouts. <laughs> I just love when an arena's... It's not a kick stuff. at the yeah. Ducks.
0: It's not a kick of the ducks. I love the ducks, but it was a sellout. It. it was pretty every empty. Team, pretty every team, every
1: team reports tickets as as tickets sold, and then. Okay, but there was here, enough booze the, there to fill up the empty seats. That was bad. The Raquel and <laughs> Getzlaff definitely got booed on that play. <laughs> yeah, I pulled up the uh, the Getzlaff pass. The worst thing about this is the, the, the how far Getzlaff gets in, where he's got nobody on him. No, he like, has nobody. Both, he should have ripped the shot. Both, yeah, both Wah and the back checking forward. Are, I think it's, it might be Jeff Carter. I don't see enough for the replay to actually see the number. But I, you know, they both know he's going to pass. They yeah. both know he's going to pass. Ricard Raquel is pretty much covered by Watt. It's a great you know cover of the pass by him to get the stick in the lane. And then Carter also back tries to get the stick in the lane. Genselov should just shoot this. Like We say this all the time, but this is one of those where he had no pass. He didn't even have a sliver of a pass. He would have had to pass it either under Waugh's stick Really, through, yeah, really? Yeah, through the triangle, through
0: feet. the feet and
1: the and the stick is the only spot. Yeah, or saucer pass it over the stick that's about two inches off the ice. There's no way that's gonna land in time for Ricard Raquel, who's about four or five feet away from him. I mean this this is typical Ryan Getzlaff. We see this all the time, so you can't, you know, you, you can't be too surprised about it. No, and that. he admits it. He says, "I've always been a pass first guy." Just I it know, happens. but it, it baffles me. Like I understand, like you're so used to it, and you have such a great passing ability, you go for the pass. But like, come on! Like he even looks for the shot. He looks at the net for Quick, and Quick's doing a good job of, of challenging the shot and letting his defenseman take the pass. But even so, Getzlaff probably had enough move or enough room to make a move. To go in and deke maybe forehand to backhand or ba- or uh, backhand to forehand or at least try and make a move. Like, that's how much room and how much space Wah was giving him. And there was no way that Carter was going to catch him from behind. So, I, I mean, again, typical Ryan Getz. Wow. But that's one of the worst ones I've seen from him in a while in a two-on-one where he did make the pass.
0: No, and he's been, I mean, kind of quiet since he's gotten back into the lineup offensively, right? He hasn't been a dominant force. So... It's also the end of the year. We got twelve games left. Maybe either like let's just tank it. I mean, team tank, baby, team tank. I mean, I wish it was a this little was more a exciting than, 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 than Friday. I mean, yeah. but if you're gonna lose, I never root against losing to the Kings because I hate them. But I mean, shoot, right now <laughs> we we won I mean, the uh, <laughs> we won the game I'll essentially get to, to get. Okay, uh, yeah. To get the to get the lower draft pick. No, I'm not saying that stupid yeah, hashtag. I thought, I thought I'm not saying that stupid hashtag everyone's talking about. It's hilarious. Yeah,
1: it would have been, see the, the problem is the Ducks have won a lot of their last the uh, one yeah. three of their last four yeah. going into this yeah. game. So this game almost meant nothing because now they're only five points uh, ahead of the Kings instead of possibly being nine. They were seven. Now they're five. Could have been nine if they got the win. So and the Kings have a game in hand. So that could at most go down to 3 if the Kings win their last game, but I think the broadcast said the Kings had lost 13 of their last 14 games (laughs) it it doesn't look like they're going to win games so if anything the Ducks have kept their hopes alive for uh, finishing in the bottom 5 because the Kings have 58, the Devils have 59, Detroit has 58, Ottawa has 52 all of them have 69 games played so they can all pick up uh, 2 points on the Ducks if they win but even so, the Ducks are still set at two points out of fourth, uh, potentially, if all these teams win, and uh, three points out of uh, bottom three. And then, uh, like I said, uh, possibly another three points out of bottom two. And then you're not catching Ottawa. So like they've, they've kind of got some ground a little bit and made up some ground in, in the tank. But winning those uh, those four of the last five have hurt them. <laughs> as fun as those games were, as fun as Montreal has been, this game, I think, you're looking at, at the beginning of the month, even halfway through the month, you're like, oh, man, both of these schemes are going to be so close to the bottom and they're going to be within like a point of each other and this game is going to make all the difference uh, on who's going to finish last. Now it looks like it's possibly going to be the watch party game. Oh, so th- well, I'm excited for dubbed, that then. This was dubbed the jackoff. I don't know. This was like the warm-up. Because March 23rd could be the real jack-up. Because uh, these teams, teams could get a, a, a lot closer in points. Stop well, the I, Brad
0: and Chad hashtag right now, please. Not not a fan.
1: <laughs> just uh, You're not a fan of that, but you're a fan of the Carolina hurricane celebration.
0: I absolutely am. 100%. 100%, 100%, 100% on board with that team this year making that playoff push, man. They've, they've been killing it lately. Let's get to the third period because, holy hell, we spent 33 minutes on this game and we haven't gotten to the end. Jacob Silverberg, Eddie, breaks through. Duck's cycling it down low. Kind of sloppy, but able to make the play work. Puck gets to the front of the net and Jonathan Quick goes to sprawl and cover. Oh, of course, Corey Perry's only good shift in the third period, one of his very few shifts in the third period. Able to poke the puck free. Gets it over to Silverberg. He's able to walk out in front as the puck goes behind the net. He walks out in front and is able to roof it because Dion Phaneuf can't skate and falls down behind the net. Quick goes bananas, by the way. This guy flips out because he's a gigantic baby all the time. It's not like he's in a playoff spot. It's not like this is a playoff game. It's not like they're close to being good. But he still flips out in this game as if he got robbed of a save, which he didn't really even cover. And the Ducks are able to pull within one goal. But uh, Jonathan Quick is a gigantic baby, and I'll never stop being happy about that.
1: Yeah, that, that's typical for Jonathan Quick. We've seen this. This is a bad goal, too, not only for him to let in, but also like the Kings just let Silverberg walk out from behind the net. Well, for can't position He and just shoot. fell. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, I mean, Silverberg, lately, the last five games, he's got a five-game point streak now. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got three goals and four assists over those five games. And uh, he's been excellent since signing that contract officially. I think like I think this came, this streak is right after officially signing the contract. I believe it got announced on like March second instead of the first, second, or third. And his point streak extends back to the third against Colorado, and and he's been one of the reasons the Ducks have won uh, three of the last. Dude, four. Now a, a little bit of five. a
0: uh, a little bit of a sneak peek at our bonus show tomorrow. But Bob Murray loves Jacob Silverberg. Oh, we know loves that. Loves him absolutely loves the guy. Loves him very much. Loves the fact he's going to be here long term, loves the fact he's producing, loves the fact he loves the young guys coming up on this team. So, makes sense why he's here. It's good to see work performing though because you sign that kind of deal, you have to produce
1: and he did. So, he's I been mean, on the road, I mean, I man. love the guy too. I love the guy too because he he provides so much to a team who's going to be competitive. You know, goal scoring is a consistent or should be a consistent twenty-goal scorer for the rest of his career, for most of his career, and he's reliable defensively. You know, he's one of the more valuable players you can have on on those teams. You look at any team who's won a championship; they have one or two of those guys. On their team, you know Pittsburgh's guy like that is Patrick Hornquist. He's he's a similar type guy, maybe a little bit more edge to him than Silverberg. But you have those guys who not only can score 20 plus goals, but they're also good in their own end. And every team needs that guy, so I get why. And GMs love those guys because you don't have to worry about them. There's no real flaw. They don't have a a plus strength to their game. You know what I mean? They're not an elite goal scorer. They're not one of the top defensive players in the league. But there's no holes really. They've got everything. They're like at least decent. At. I mean, like a jack of all trades, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So, GMs love those guys because they don't have to worry about them. They don't have to worry about like like Daniel Sprong. You got to worry about defense for them. That's why you you bench him. Pontus Abrahm got to worry about defense. Other guys, you you know, they're going to be good defensively, but you got to worry about offense. Brian Gibbons was was a guy like that. You know, good defensively, good on the penalty kill, on offense, couldn't do anything. Silverberg, you don't have to worry about that. So I, I'm not surprised that that Bob Murray loves him. And the way, especially the way he's been producing lately, you know, he's been one of the only ducks, other than him and Troy Terry, who have been producing consistently. Terry didn't get any points in this game, but still, I mean, Silverberg is an excellent player and I was happy to see him get on the board. I I do want to see him hit hit 20 goals. He's one short. I'm sure in the next 12 games, he's going to be able to get another one the way he's playing. Wouldn't be surprised to see it happen in the next game. Tough one against Nashville, but if anybody's going to score right now, it's going to be him. Well, let's get to the end of the game here. The Kings wrap it
0: up three to two. Uh, the leader in expected goals for the Ducks, by the way, five on five was my boy Hampus Lindholm. Just a little shout out to my boy there. Um, Got to give him some mad respect. He always has a solid game for the most part, right? He has very few games where Hampus gets caught. So he's been cleaning up his game. I appreciate that. Um, Eddie, the Ducks are back on the tank wagon just in time for your arrival here in about two weeks. Are you excited?
1: I, I am. I mean, I, I wish uh, I was down there for the draft lottery. We could do something for that. but uh, I mean you could be. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> more, more than likely we'll uh, we'll be doing something on Twitch for the, for the, the mm-hmm. draft lottery instead. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it will make that game on the Sunday and the 23rd against the kings that much more important for different reasons and saturday, it's so the saturday the 23rd saturday the 23rd i keep calling it i keep saying it's a sunday but i yeah, know saturday, canada's but on saturday a different saturday planet i get it yeah no exactly but that game it's so interesting because the kings and ducks rivalry over the last what five or ten years has been all about playoff position making a push who's going to win the pacific division it, it it still had some nastiness to it, but it has such a different meaning right now. Obviously, these teams aren't purposely losing, but for fans, it's completely different. Yep. You had a lot of Ducks fans that were rooting for the Ducks to lose for the first time I think I've ever seen the Ducks playing the Kings that you still you actually had fans for once rooting for them to lose. You know, even and, and there's again there's nothing wrong with being a casual fan really. Like I mean, any having any fan of a, of a, a Ducks fan is great, but. Even when the Ducks were good playing the Kings, you never really had even casual fans being like, oh, I hope they lose for this reason or that reason. And it's so different now because of what's at stake at the bottom of of the draft this year, especially for the Ducks and for the Kings, trying to make this as quick a a turnaround as they can. There was even a chance.
0: In the 400 upper levels, I said, we both suck. Ducks and Kings fans chanting, we both suck.
1: When is is the last time the Ducks and Kings fans have come together over something?
0: When is the last time that has ever happened, right? Like, that's never happened. In the history of me being a Ducks fan, which is probably 20 plus years now, I've never been in a game where Kings and Ducks fans have gotten eye to eye on anything. Gotten along at all. At all. At (laughs) all ever. Like, I've seen fights in the 400s. I've seen fights in the 200s. I've seen all that crap, you know, being talked all, talked about in the bathrooms, in the hallways, all that. It's a, it's amazing, and it's, it truly is very heartwarming to see both fan bases able to come together tonight and say we both suck as a chant in the 400 level, so kudos it's, it's not heart wor-
1: heartwarming it's it's sad and pathetic that we're at i mean to me it's together. heartwarming but i mean you say what you it's want. so sad and pathetic that we're we're both at this point <laughs> at the same time that we're we, we we both just suck so bad that both fan bases just kind of embraced it and are, are in the same position where they both just want to go for jack use and it's always nice to... Hey man, but I
0: mean honestly, there's a lot of media out there whether it's amateur or professional, whether it's like us or like guys in Athletic that, you know, you're a Ducks fan or you're a Kings fan or whatever fan you are, but I mean, through good times and bad, you still want to enjoy the hockey and if yeah. you want to you, you got to be able to derive positives out of everything and there is a positive coming out of this. You see the kids playing lots of minutes tonight for the Ducks again, Troy Terry trying to create again, Max Jones Got his monkey off his back in the last game against Montreal. Back into tonight. uh, The Ducks just weren't... They they didn't have it tonight. They just didn't have it tonight at all. The Kings dominated possession the entire game. It's just one of those games. But the positives are... We have a lot of young prospects coming up that are showing their worth. And, you know, honestly, getting a high draft pick... And even Murray admitted it. uh, In the the breakfast. The pancake. Holy shit. Pancake was the this hot big. Stove, the pancake was that, this they big. They
1: called it a hot stove.
0: This big. This was the pancake, and we only got two pieces of bacon and a pancake. It was That's the worst it? breakfast ever. So oh, it was brutal. No, nothing. Um, was it anyway? they were warm? <laughs> they were no, they weren't. The
1: butter uh, didn't melt on the they were pancakes made beforehand. They were made. Beforehand. It was they definitely made about two hours before you got there. It was
0: bad. It was very bad. But uh, the bacon was good. Pancakes bad. Uh, coffee was good too. But um, anyway, was a good time. So that was all that mattered there. But honestly, I mean, I'm not going to be negative Nancy here. Look, we've done that enough this season through the losing streak and all that crap when we thought the Ducks were actually better than they should have been. Then we finally realized they weren't really that good. And the coaching was bad, yada, yada, yada. You guys have all heard this story all year. The good news is there's so many young players in this team that are coming up to fill the middle of the lineup. And that's exactly what we need. We need a refresh. We need people to step in for the old guys. We need the old guys to move out. Faster than they probably can be moved out, which is another problem we can get to later in another show. But uh, that's why we're looking for this high draft pick. That's why well, this whole the ideal, thing,
1: the ideal development time too, is perfect. Like it's on pace perfectly. Like you know, for Comtois and Terry and Jones and for Lundstrom and all of them to ideally develop to the point where you know you're you're confident in their ability and what they're going to be able to do long term. Like these guys, I'm talking to being around like 22, 23 That's about three years out. Well, guess whose contracts come off the books in about three years? Getzlaff, Perry, and eventually Kessler as well. You go through another expansion draft, you possibly lose another contract in Adam Henrique or Jakob Silverberg. So you then free up all this cap space. You can go make moves if you need to fill some holes that you didn't get to fill in the draft. And then you've also got three years of drafts to try and fill those holes organically and bring in some good young players. So, I mean... This is the perfect time if you want, it, you know, if you want to make this retool and do it effectively. It's it's great. It, it's great timing for everything, and you know, I feel I feel like, like you know we're talking about the similarities between the Ducks and the Kings. I feel like Kings fans are in a similar position right now. They totally because, are hundred percent. You know, they, they are. You know, again, everybody's getting together and chanting, "We both suck." But then, you know, we talk about our kids coming up and Terry and Jones and, and everybody coming up and, and playing an important role, and Brendan Guhle coming over. You know, they get a kid in the Muzzin trade. In Grunstrom, who we talked about, who he's comes up good. and has goals, he's Grush got goals in back-to-back good. games, and they've got some good young prospects: Jared Anderson, Dolan, Gabriel Vilarde. If he can ever get healthy, you know they've got to kill Thomas in the OHL. Like they're in the same spot, maybe a little bit behind in the development of their prospects. They're about a year or two behind the Ducks. Some of the prospects they have, but yeah, you know the Ducks and the Kings are now in, in similar position. I think the Ducks are a little bit better when you look at a retool that their stars. A little bit uh-huh. older, and and their contracts come up a little bit sooner because Kopitar and Dowdy are still going to be on the books for L.A. for a while. And But I, they're I both still good. Do. Like, Dowdy's still oh. really good. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, these teams have, have paralleled each other. They were both very successful. Obviously, the Kings a bit more so winning Stanley Cups. but they were competitive for about the same period of time. The Kings trailed off a little bit sooner than the ducks did not by too much by about a season or two and now they're going to be bad for a while together until they until they get to the same point where again they'll probably be competitive together at the same time and yeah honestly as, as a ducks fan and as a kings fan it's kind of how you want it to be you Wait, want why wouldn't you games. you want, yeah, you want you the want focus the on the california well you also want the games between these two teams to matter Yep. as much as funny as it is to see the kings suck and the ducks do well when they come into town, you want this game to mean something. You want it to be for for important points at the t- at the top of the division or the top of the conference, right? You want it to be for playoff positioning. It it, it makes the games that much better. It makes mm-hmm. the passion between the between the players and the hatred between the players that much better in the game. So it's great that both teams can get on board with both with them tanking, and it, it's great that they have similar trajectories that they're going to be good again at it about the, about the same time. Hopefully, the Ducks can flip the script and be the better team and, and go and, and pursue oh of Stanley course works. we
0: want that we don't want to we don't want to bless the gigs with no. anything that's good but we just would love yeah. these games to matter because that brings the playoff intensity the rivalry intensity and it makes it more fun to watch hockey honestly this is the way it goes
1: no exactly and you know both teams are getting high draft picks this year you know of course we hope the kings don't get one or two because oh, please, it really no. is it, it's it's one of those drafts again where you see this you know, every other year, pretty much, where one and two, guaranteed. Hughes and Kako this year. And Matthews um, and year years. Matthews and Liney. pooley made a little bit of a push, but never got really close. Yeah, same this year. It's, it's one, two. And three to ten, they're all about the same skill level. So you know, if the Ducks finish three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it doesn't really matter at this point. You're going to still get a player who's likely, or projected at least, to be the same caliber at four as you do at seven. Yeah, It all depends positionally and what you want and, and what you think of that player, because there'll be teams who value maybe I'll pull a name in my head here. Trevor Zagres or Alex Turcott, who projected around six, seven or eight more than they do Dylan Cozins. who's projected to go three or four at that point. It, it all depends on your scouting staff and who you value more. But if you have one or two, you're taking Jack Hughes 1, you're taking Cavalcaco 2, and that's what the Ducks should be aiming for right now. Because I mean,
0: And, yeah, Bob Murray even said in his uh, breakfast, and I will quote it every time I say that, that he's taking the best player available in round 1 to round 2. So best player available yeah. is what's going to get
1: stacked in Anaheim.
0: That's yeah. just the way. It goes. and
1: that's best player to their scouting staff, and I trust their scouting staff more than probably any in the league. And when they say they're taking the best player available, generally that means when you look back at it in five years, that's probably going to be the best player available that they could have got of that draft, other than maybe a guy that goes in the third or, or th- fourth round who ends up turning into a gem, a la like Braided Point or somebody like that who ends up just. Or in the first round, you
0: get them. like a you get like a seven, and then like the guy who's an eleven
1: gets becomes a better star. Just happens sometimes, right? You still get a yeah. good player, but but the Ducks generally do well enough that you're like you know Ricard Raquel. They said mm-hmm. at the time, best player available probably was the best player available. You Look at the guys who went before him and the guys who went after him, right? And, and the same goes for Sam Steele. If you look back at it, he was one of the best players available there. Maxime Comtois, one of the best players available at the second round. The Ducks do this a lot, sometimes frustratingly so, because they they ignore positional needs and they go out and, and stack up. For a long time, it was defense. Just continued to stack up on defense, not because they needed it, but because those were the best players they thought were available. Uh, but it, it generally works out for them, where they get the better player. I just hope this year that if they get a top pick, a top five, that they don't go best player available in draft Center, center position, you please. You need a center. You need a center. <laughs> and, and luckily for them, the majority of players in that top half, in that top ten are centers. And the only defensemen I can see creeping in there are for teams that need defensemen. So I just hope the Ducks don't value a Bowen Byram or a Philip Broberg and say, Oh, he's our best player available on our list here, so we're going to take him over a center because they th- this draft they really need a center that I, mean, I don't know if I don't want to say replace Ryan Getzlaf, but can be a top line first, a guaranteed first line center for this team. That's what they need, and they need it in this draft at the top end of this draft.
0: We'll have to see what
1: happens with that, but uh,
0: let's get to the last bit before we get to fan questions. We're right about the fifty minute mark on tonight's show. So we gotta finish up here. We have both Corey Perry and Ryan Kessler to talk about. Kessler, like I said in the pre-show, he hit the thousand game mark on Wednesday night. Uh, doesn't play Friday against the Habs, doesn't play tonight. Do you feel like this is kind of like a shutdown time for Kessler? Go go figure out what you got going on, man. Like, you battled through all this, you got through all the adversity, got to a thousand games. Through two lockouts, as his agent said in the athletic article that I read from Eric Stevens. And all the injuries. I mean, over 100 playoff games. Eddie, this guy's a warrior. And as yeah. much as you and I and Jay have gotten kind of... I mean, more, more so you and I than Jay. Jay's, Jay's not a negative guy whatsoever. But you and I have been down on him. And it suggested buyout options. suggested maybe, hey, it's time for a uh, Isaac Lindstrom or Sam Steele to come and take the position away from Ryan Kessler. Is it shutdown time for, for Kessler for this year and see
1: what he has to bring in the summer? Because I kind of feel like it is. It should is. be. Yeah. There's 12 games left, and those 12 games are going to be meaningless for the Ducks. And, it, it, again, they've announced it's his hip. And and if, at this point, if Ryan Kessler goes out with any injury, you, 90% of the time it's going to be his hip. Or 99% of the time it's going to be his hip because that's the the major issue that he has. And, yeah, the 12 games is not a lot. Let's this guy is he's not, he's not vying for the 1,000. He hit it. He hit the milestone, has nothing left to prove this year. Nothing left to go for. The Ducks don't have anything left to compete for. I know the guy, you know, Ryan Kessler is a guy that's going to want to play if he can play, but somebody's got to be in his ear and be like, hey, man, it's and hopefully it's the trainers or, or Bob Murray or somebody, but it's like, hey, it would be better for you to just not come back this year for your health, to make sure you're 100% and that you can actually play next year. Don't go out there on a, a not hundred percent hip. Play, you know, the remainder ten games of the season. Grind it out, and then risk getting injured even more, or or you know, getting to the point where you won't be ready for the start of next year. It, it would make no sense to me at this point to bring him back if he's clearly having issues. Which he's missed two games, so he's clearly having issues, right? Like at, at this point, let him sit out, shut him down for the rest of the season. The Ducks are more than capable of filling that fourth line center role for the end of the year which they're doing right now and if they need to call guys up they can they, they have the ability to call Sam Steele back up if they need to to at least provide some support until the the duck season is over
0: oh why rush him why rush Kessler he, he deserves the break let him take the rest of the year off you're not making the playoffs and by god if you're Bob Murray you hope to god your team doesn't find a way to squeak in whatsoever so let's just hope that doesn't happen uh, it looks, it's looking more and more like night's nice, take like tonight, like it's not going to. Which is good news for Anaheim. They want the high draft pick. Um, they want to see what their young players can provide. So just let's, let's just let Ryan Kessler deserve the break. Give him the next month off and then all the rest of the season to figure things out over the summer. Get healthy for training camp. I have no problem with Ryan Kessler. Or Ryan Kessler if Ryan Kessler
1: used in a limited role in the third and fourth line, do you? I, I mean, I really don't. No, no, for sure. And, but if he's 100% healthy then yeah, if he can if he comes back this year, I hope to God it's because he's having no issues and, and he's I don't want to say he's 100% cuz I don't think he's ever going to be 100%, but he's at a point where he's not risking injury more by coming exactly. back. Exactly. Don't risk if, the injury. If he's if he's at that point and and the training staff and the medical staff says, "Yeah, you're fine." Then sure come back. I don't mind him coming back, but I don't think he's at that point clearly because he's missed two games i don't think you know all of a sudden he's just going to come back and be okay and the the duck season is a lost cause there's no need for him to come back and grind it out so just say hey man like take an early vacation take the time off relax rest up get prepared for next season because you're still going to be a part of this team i don't think they're going to buy him out unfortunately so and as much as i love ryan ryan kessler this is the type of guy who's a prime buyout candidate. And the, the, with the new CBA coming in, not for about, I think, in 2021, that compliance buyout is going to be after Ryan Kessler's contract is up. So it's not going to really be viable for a player like Ryan Kessler. So, you know, it it would make sense. But I, I think for him, he's not going to get bought out. So just take the rest of the year off and uh, be ready for next year. All right, let's talk about Corey Perry
0: before we get to fan questions. He only played the entire game, Eddie. He played under 10 minutes tonight, all situations, nine forty-six. He saw just a handful of shifts in the third period. Is there an injury here? Did you see anything happen to Corey Perry? In today's game, no, I didn't.
1: How many yeah. minutes did he play?
0: the whole He was on the
1: fourth line, though. He was on the fourth line. How much did Rowney play and Grant play? So,
0: Rowney played 13 minutes and Grant played under 9. He played just over 9.901.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I don't think it's an injury. He played uh, most of the night in the fourth line and uh, he was not out there in the final minutes for the Ducks. At all. had nothing going on. Which I'm not surprised because I don't think, honestly, Bob Murray is happy with his play. You don't demote a guy to the fourth line and bring up Daniel Sprong, a guy who you've healthy scratched, if you're happy with the play of Corey Perry. You don't do that. You know, He was obviously upset with Daniel Sprong and then made the decision to bring him back on, bump Corey Perry off that top line and put Sprong there and take Perry not down to the second or third line, all the way down to the fourth to play with Rowney and, uh, and Derek Grant. So he's clearly not happy with his play. So him playing nine minutes doesn't surprise me tonight, especially when you look at Derek Grant also playing around the same. And the only reason Rowney over the entire game probably has more because he played on the penalty kill, and they the, the Kings had three power plays tonight, so that's where he gets the inflated minutes from. Uh, other than that, he probably would have played around nine minutes too. So I, I think it's just you know uh, right now Bob Murray's not happy with the play of Corey Perry for for a good reason, and he's just not playing minutes because of it. I wonder if that is the case though, because I looked at
0: his individual stats analytically, and he's he's getting chances, he's just not converting.
1: Do you think it's the conversion that's causing the problem for him? Does Bob Murray strike you as a guy who looks at the analytics and says, "Oh, you're playing well. Let me reward you for that"? (laughs) He doesn't, right? Like your answer to fire back at me is like you had that on the tip of
0: your tongue. You were just like waiting for me. To pull the analytics argument out for Corey Perry, and you're like, does, does Bob Murray even have any idea? No, he probably
1: doesn't. He probably you know he probably has an idea to exist, but he does not strike me as a guy who his first thought is to go to his analytics department, look at what Corey Perry is doing, and say, oh, he is playing better. He's more looks to me as a if they have on the one, if they even yeah. have an analytics department, who knows? Yeah, I don't know, but he's a he strikes me as a guy who looks and sees the product that Corey Perry is producing on the ice, which isn't that great. Yes, he scored in the game against Montreal, but he got kind of lucky on that play. Yeah. Wide open. He overthought it too much, got lucky that it squeaked through Carey Price. Other than that, he hasn't really played that well. And it's been obvious to see, not just to us, but clearly to the guy who's behind the bench, because now he's demoted him to the fourth line. So, yeah, I, you know, Corey Perry maybe isn't as bad as the, the eye test shows. But Bob Murray obviously isn't happy because of it. So, and he, again, he does not, he's not a guy for me that focuses 100% on analytics. If you're Kyle Dubas, maybe you give Corey Perry another shot. If you're Cheka, maybe you give Corey Perry another shot. Or if you're a different general manager, maybe a more forward thinking general manager, you give Corey Perry a shot in the top half of your lineup. But you don't put a guy like that with the contract that he has and the history that he has on the fourth line if you're happy with his production.
0: Yeah. No, it's very true. Um, Corey Perry's probably got a lot of converting to do before he gets a, he gets back in Bob Murray's good graces. You're right. But let's get to the questions. We have a few questions here from fans. We have some left over from uh, last game. So you want to hop on those first? Do you have those ready or do you want to grab to the new ones here?
1: Yeah, I got the one from last game. It was from Yosip on Instagram. Uh, we missed it because it was in our, our uh, Instagram DMs. Um, so if you want to ask us a question on Instagram, you can do it that way, but we might miss it. The best way is to check our story during the game and just reply to the questions there. But uh, they said, it may be too early to ask, but what the heck do you guys think we lost Randy too soon? It seems like all we're doing is putting ourselves in a bad position for the draft. So so he means, did we lose Randy too soon because now we're winning games and not tanking? <laughs> Uh, my
0: my heart would say uh, yes. We did lose Randy too soon, but uh, the watchability factor, of my brain would say no, because we haven't seen this good of hockey from Anaheim all season, and it's been close. It's been tight hockey. They somehow emptied out that entire Heinz bottle of ketchup uh, last Friday with an eight to two victory over the Habs, and then forgot how to score, or possess the puck tonight. So it's an off game for Anaheim. But yeah, to answer the question. It's been tough because if you're going to lose and not make the playoffs, you want to just tank as far as you can, like Ottawa. But uh, we'll take what we got here. I, I feel like the Ducks are still going to get a good draft spot out of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, for for sure. And I mean, I I think you know I'm, it was more so a joke, if anything, for, for the question asked We lost him too soon of the, the, you guys seem to think it's changed significantly for the Ducks. I just think you you lose the coach. You get some confidence. You're playing a little bit better. You've got maybe a little bit of a different style. But then you have games like this that look identical to how the Ducks played earlier this year. So not much has changed where they've gotten completely away from oh, the same style. Oh,
0: come on. It's been more of a defensive change than anything. It's been yeah, more of sure, they're, not, been a they're not playing one-on-one. They're playing more of a zone defense. <laughs> the broadcast has reported that for sure. And you can see it's evident. There, there's no more swinging
1: yeah, in the defensive zone. It's there, more of a, a zone D. But a lot of the mistakes the players had were, were because we're, we're on them. Cam Fowler just puck watching. A lot of guys just puck watching. That's not on the system. That's on mm. the players just being completely out of it and not really excited to show up to a game coached by Randy Carlisle. I know it's cliche to say that, but it's obvious when you see it. The, a, a guy puck watching has nothing to do with the system the coach has in place. And Randy Carlisle's system was horrible, but it was just demoralizing at that point, them just losing game after game after game. That's going to happen. And I think losing Randy Carlisle hasn't really changed too much, where the Ducks will still have games like this, because they're still the same team. They play a little bit of a different style, nothing significantly better than what they were playing under Randy Carlisle, just enough that they can have some of these games where they play a little bit better. But then you're going to get this regression every now and then where things don't go right for them. And they look almost identical to the, to the team that was playing earlier in the year and, and lose 3-2 against the Kings and only muster 20 shots. You know, that, yeah. that, that, that's just going to happen. Um, they also asked, do you think the guys would have had a shot at a deep cup run with a better coach? Or do you think the success they've had has been mostly circumstantial? That kind of touches on what I was just talking about. But. Yeah,
0: no, it, it doesn't matter what coach we had this year. I feel like this team wasn't good enough to be, go on a deep cup run. I think if you put a better coach in here, maybe you find a way to squeak out eight wins more this season, right? Like maybe, maybe sixteen more points out of this team, and you you squeak it to a wild card spot. But I, I don't feel like they're going to be. in any, it, They would have been in, in any sort of position. To go on any sort of deep run for a Stanley Cup playoff. uh, To get to the conference final even, let alone a Stanley Cup final. So, I I don't know. I I don't think this team is good enough to go deep. But uh, maybe a few more wins, sure. But uh, you're talking about a big difference here. When you're talking about being into the playoffs, like last year when we got swept. Or competitive, right? When you go to the conference final... Or semifinal. I, I don't think the Ducks were, were prepared to go deep this year, no matter what
1: coach they had. No, I think you get a few more wins. But yeah, the offense was still going to be an issue this year. It's still going to be a bottom five offense in the league the way they're producing. That's not going to change, and it hasn't really changed since Brandy Collin has been fired. You know, the only guy still producing, really, is Jacob Silverberg. Troy Terry is the other guy, and maybe Daniel Sprong. But Daniel Sprong and Silverberg have been the two guys producing all year. Ricardo Raquel is still struggling. Corey Perry is still struggling. Ryan Genslav is still struggling. That hasn't changed, and that wouldn't have changed with the new coach uh, at the start of the season. I, I just I couldn't see them competing for the playoffs. They would have been marginally better than they are now. Um, Derek asked specifically about our bonus show tomorrow. Is it going to be live? Um, I don't know if we're going to do it live for Patreon people tomorrow. That That's might be tough. That's a toughie. But, yeah, that th- that might be tough to do. Uh, I mean, we'll if it is, we'll let you know in the Discord if it's gonna be live um but i i would say not too likely that this one will be live because we haven't like we have to figure out something that works around our schedules tomorrow to even find out when we're going to record the show to begin with so if we were gonna go live it would be last minute that we would let you know and i'm not sure how many people would be available for it but it's not out of the question but we'll uh we'll let you know in the in the discord tomorrow um Canadian girl on Instagram said, "Which kind of coach is Bob Murray? Player friendly or non-player friendly?"
0: So Bob Murray is old school. Bob Murray is not player friendly, but I think he's kind of a mix right now. Because yeah, that's what I
1: was going to say. Yeah, he
0: he comes down from that high press box booth where he's able to see the game from way above thirty thousand feet, supervising like you're supposed to. When you're a manager, you have to see everything from above. And now that he's in the mix, he's in the weeds. He's getting to know people, getting to like people you know getting to figure out who works with who he's figuring all that out right now so i think he's more of a mix in between of like he's the nice guy but he's got to kind of be a hard ass he comes with that generation of hard asses so he's got to find that nice little mix in the middle that works for his team right now because he's got a lot of, an in- of uh, a lot of uh injection of youth on his team so he's kind of got he's kind of have to be both the good guy and the bad guy at the same time if that makes sense
1: yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's kind of a mix in both. I think normally, and in, in if he wasn't trying to just get a better look at his players, he, he would strike you as a guy that would be non-player friendly. Of course. You know, he's an old, all-time hockey guy. He's friends with and, Randy uh, Carlisle, for crying out loud. Yeah, and from his comments and stuff he said about some of these players, you would think that he would have no problem saying to his face. He might. We can't see that. But just from looking you know, at, at what he's done in, in the games and in practice, he seems like he's a mix between the both. Like He's willing to work with the guys and, and cater to them a little bit. Our Patreon hard- show
0: tomorrow will reveal all
1: about Bob Murray, yeah. his, especially this comment right here. Yeah, we're getting yeah. more into this tomorrow. He's still a hard-ass, and, and I don't think he's afraid to tell a player off. So. Um, last question for Instagram. Chad said, hold on. He said, "Is gets afraid to shoot the puck.
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, it's in yes. his DNA. <laughs> he's said it all along his entire career that he will he's always not afraid. look to pass. He's, not afraid. he's just would rather pass. I don't think he's, he's afraid. afraid. He's, afraid, he's to afraid to shoot. He's afraid to shoot. Yeah. He's afraid. Yeah.
1: Why? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. But
0: he just, just doesn't shoot the puck. He's
1: to the fact. He's yeah, to He just the doesn't, fact doesn't to do it. Puck. He, yeah. He doesn't, uh, that's it's not on the top of his mind. Um, on Facebook, we had a couple questions. Joseph asked this. I think we posted this at the end of the second because he said, "If the Ducks lose for Hughes against the Kings, oh, does that mean we win the Jackoff?" Yes, so it does. It, if it if, does yeah, if this isn't this isn't a one game thing or a two game thing. This goes into the final, the draft lottery. Yep. If both there's, there's a chance that both teams could lose. Yeah, both both uh, both teams will not finish. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe we should cut that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it.
0: That was that didn't that didn't play off as well as I thought it would. Be. Let's just skip ahead then to Nick West. Let's, Webb just, on let's Facebook. just end the show here. Time no, to we gotta get to Nick. Nick said, Do you think the no, Supreme Overlord Bob Murray mishandled our blue line the last two or so years? What would you have done differently? I don't think he has. I don't think he's mishandled the blue line. I think the blue line's been fine. Um, the only well, misplay was Jose Theodore with Clayton Stoner mix up at the uh, the Knights oh, really? expansion draft. That's one of the biggest Jose, ones Jose Theodore, right? Jose.
1: Right? Yeah, Jose Theodore. Shay Theodore, same thing. Shay Theodore. <laughs> that yeah, that that's what I was going to bring up. That's that's the big That's the play. biggie, and not asking and uh, also giving Biexa the no move clause, not asking him to waive Ooh, the no move clause, giving Clayton to yeah, that contract that you bad. had to get rid of in the first place, not trading Sammy Votnin or Cam Fowler leading up into the expansion draft, and having eventually trading Sammy Votnin at the beginning of next season anyway. And then losing Shay Theodore, who's probably come, become the best uh, – well, obviously, uh, better than PX and, Bo- uh, and Stoner, but better than Brandon Montour, better than Sammy Votnin, and better than Cam Fowler. Shea Theodore is better than all of them. Yeah. If you had him on the Ducks right now, he would be the second-best defenseman behind Hampus Lindholm, and I would argue that it would be close because Shay Theodore has been one of the better defensemen in this league this year. The offense has been there for him. And when you look at zone exits and zone entries, he's generally near the top of the league in both of those. Yeah, he so says
0: it just kills him to see our bottom pair be abysmal tonight. Out of the three goals, I believe they were on there for all three of them, the Ducks had Votnin, Montour, Theodore, and Pedersen, who were who three, three of the four averaged 20 or more minutes a night with their new teams and have uh, a few picks, maybe two guys that are NHL players. And an aging Henrique that needed re-signed to show it, to show for it, so he's saying we didn't get much in the way of anything back for those valuable assets we traded away, and those were guys that are playing big minutes now for the new team. That's yeah. a good
1: observation. It really is because that's the truth. the, the Henrique Pravatni trade, I still think it's, it's fair for Pretty, both. Yeah, teams. it's that it's definitely fair. But that's the, fair. But the, the Shea Theodore trade. Well, yeah, just that that whole situation with with Shea Theodore is what messed everything up there's a lot of different things like I already said you could have traded either Votnin or Fowler before you know during the draft before the draft beforehand you know right at the end of the season you could have made the, that trade then I'm sure you could have there was suitors for Votnin we talked about this on the podcast or I don't even know were we doing this? no we weren't doing this one this was two years ago but anyway we talked about this and then moving Votnin at that time same goes for Cam Fowler because there's a lot of rumors if Cam Fowler should get moved. And uh, Shea Theodore was the guy I think was at the bottom of our list. And then Brandon Montour had a good playoffs. And then there became the question mark on who would you rather get rid of, Shea Theodore or Brandon Montour. A lot of people switched to Montour because he was the righty. And Shea Theodore didn't have a great playoffs. And he was struggling a little bit. And uh, all of a sudden, he's the guy that ends up getting moved out. And it's not even because he's a bad player. It's because you signed Stoner to a yep. bad contract that was only two years long, but you had to get out of it because of the cap situation you put yourself in. And then Kevin BX had a no move clause that one, you didn't want to ask him to wave until he said he wouldn't wave anyway. So you, you put yourself in, in a difficult spot there that, uh, and, and honestly, like, I don't know why he wouldn't wave it. You think, was Vegas going to pick Kevin Bieksa? No, honestly? they weren't. No, exactly. <laughs> so like ask him to wave it, tell him you're not going to get selected. Like, it's not going to happen. They're not going to take you. And then let them take Sammy Votinen. Like, I know he was valuable, and they thought he was valuable, but I would have rather, even at that time, that they take Sammy Votinen instead of Shay Theodore or Brandon Montour. But Shay Theodore is the guy that goes out, and now Vegas is, is extremely happy with with Shea Theodore being their number one.
0: Hey, man, and so is Shea Theodore. He's still close to California. He got paid a massive deal. In so Vegas, up. I'm
1: sure he's happy. Yeah, yeah, he got an extension, and he's in Vegas, and they are doing significantly better than the Ducks are. So, And, he's there he, again, he's getting top minutes for them because he's arguably their number one guy. So he, he goes from being a potential number three on the left side behind Lindholm and Fowler to being the best left-handed defenseman that that team has. So... That, that's the best situation that could have happened for Shea Theater, or obviously the worst situation that could have happened for the Ducks.
0: All right, let's, let's get to the last question. It's on Twitter. It's from John Lyons. He says, Why doesn't Murray trade Getsy Perry, Kessler while Goodness. retaining 50% of all their contracts? It would give the Ducks at least, almost, if not $12 million in cap space to return for that trade. <laughs> Plus, when their contracts come up, it comes off the books... More cap space, worth it in my honest opinion. Do it. John, I love you for that because it, it's easy to do on paper, it's easy to do NHL uh, you know 19, but it's tough when these guys have no move clauses. They have to approve any and all movement of their of, of you know of their contract, whether it's to the AHL, whether it's being traded, no matter what goes on. They have to approve the move. Not only that, there has to be shooters. Yeah, and they have to move them, right? Like, they have to be able to move them with their approval. And like you said, with suitors, you have to have people who want to take on that contract. Even half of it is a lot to ask.
1: I appreciate the question, obviously. We love any fan question we get. Uh, But it's utterly ridiculous (laughs) to think that uh, you could pack, you could trade, let alone you know Perry and, and Kessler at this point, even with fifty percent retained on their salaries, the, you know there's only two years left on Perry's deal, three years left on Kessler's deal. There's no point in even doing that and trying to attempt that. Whatever you're going to get in return, it's not really worth it. It's just to, too much money to pay out in the long term. That that's the biggest yeah. problem is the Ducks would be paying a and ton of can, cash. You can only retain salary, I think on. Three players, two or three players. You're not allowed to have retained salary for players that aren't playing for your team. I think it's two or three you're allowed to have, and the Ducks already have one. And and, uh, I think Fistrick comes off the books. Oh my God, Mark Fistrick! Jesus. Yeah, who one? Like, there's there's too many there's too many moving parts. Maybe the only guy you could move at at 50 retained is Ryan getzlaff but what are you going to get for him? That's going to be worth it at this point. And he, again, he, like you said, he's not waving to go anywhere. Mm-mm. Kessler already specifically said he's not waving to go anywhere, and no team is looking to bring in Ryan Kessler right now, especially with the injury problems he has. Because even even at fifty percent retained, he's not worth that right now. He's not worth three point three or three point four million dollars. There's no point in a team taking that on unless they just gave you another player who's making three point four in return. Like you have to also think. You're assuming that whoever the, the ducks trade these team, these players to, even at fifty percent retained, are not giving you any salary in return. You're you're expecting to just get picks or prospects back. That's tough. You're not gonna get that. If, yeah. if any team is taking these guys, they're likely giving you another bad contract in return to offset the ca- the cost of the cap. They're just not gonna you know, I know you're you're retaining, but they're not gonna still just take that on as a sunk cost. They're likely gonna want to move some salary cap. So then, maybe you only save half of the half you're saving already. Then it's about six million. And then what's the point of moving all three of them if you're going to save six million dollars in cap? Yeah, it, it just it, it would there's too many working parts and it just it, it wouldn't really make sense. And, and half of them you're not going to be able to remove.
0: No, that's too tough. Uh, too tough of a deal to try to, to even uh, cook up to to offer to a team. That's way too much. But I understand the thought process, right? You want to move out the old guys, bring in the new guys. I totally get it. But in reality, it's just too hard of a move. But, Eddie, that's the end of the show tonight. Unless you have anything else to add to it. Um, I want to give a shout-out to CoolHockey.com. They always sponsor our show. They sponsor our three-star leaderboard, uh, which Eddie puts together for the Forever Mighty Three Stars. You pick the three questions, you or you answer the three questions, rather, with your picks. And then Eddie tallies up the points at the end of each night. And then at the end of the month, you have a chance to win a awesome, customized, legit jersey. It's not one of the China jerseys that you get on eBay or Amazon or wherever you're looking at. You get a legit jersey here from coolhockey.com. And if you don't want to wait for the free jersey to, uh, to get your chance to get to the uh, the top of the leaderboard, get over to them anyway and use our promo code FM20. FM20 will get you 20% off whatever your purchase is there at coolhockey.com. But uh, that's it for us. Um, if you want to check that out, Go to Twitter and sign up uh, and subscribe to us and hit the bell uh, or hit the notifications, turn them on for us. We can do, uh, make sure that you get the updates for our, uh, FM theater board there. Go to YouTube, subscribe, Patreon, subscribe. If you'd like to get bonus shows, we have four bonus shows each and every month for our Patreon subscribers. Just if you want more content from us, we appreciate it. If you can, that's great. If you can't awesome, stay on board with the free show. We love you guys anyway, but, uh, we'll see you guys here on Tuesday night against Nashville. Other than that, We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. See you guys.